Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. He's alive and he speaks through his word. And I want you to let God be alive in your life today. The Bible says that if, if, you, if you will seek him, you will find him. Let's find him in his word this morning in Matthew chapter 20, verse 29. The Bible says, as Jesus And the disciples left the town of Jericho. A large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. But they only shouted louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly they could see. Then they followed him. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, What Do You Want God to Do for You? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would strengthen my mind and my body now. God, I pray you take this head pain from me and use me to say the things that would honor you. God, I pray that you would be our teacher today from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. What do you want God to do for you? We've talked about this concept before, but I'm not convinced everyone has an answer. Happy, bir- happy birthday, Vicki. Uh, uh, is today your birthday? God just told me that. I'm kidding. I heard it somewhere else. People are like, ooh, he is a man of God. That's foolishness and and, and scammery, by the way. Um, (laughs) But if I started with Vicky and went around the room and asked what, just one thing, what do you want God to do for you, we would have different answers. We We have different needs. We come from different backgrounds, but I want you to hear this, think about it. You ought to be able to agree with it right off the bat. Everyone in this room needs something from God. We all have needs. We all need something from God, and I want you, before you leave this place today, to figure out what it is you want God to do for you. I've talked to you before about the five realms of the human existence. We exist on, on multiple capacities as human beings. Uh, we have multiple needs and we, we go through life in multiple ways, spiritually, emotionally, financially, relationally, and something spiritually, emotionally, financially, relationally, and physically. Praise the Lord. My head is hurting so bad I can't even think right now. Y'all, y'all pray and watch God get me through this sermon. But whether your needs are physical, spiritual, relational, emotional, or financial, or maybe you say, I've got needs in all five of those categories. Do you have some magic dust to sprinkle on me? I don't have magic dust. Now, that's what people are looking for today. That is literally what people are looking for today. That's why they'll go and stand in line for 
an hour to let somebody pour some oil on them, speak some words over them, push them till they fall down, and they want to fall down and get up and instantly have all their needs met. Now, I believe, on the, uh, I believe in the anointing of oil laying on the, of hands. I believe in transference of spirits, and I believe God's still a healer today. But I'm telling you this, stop looking for a shortcut when God has told us what to do to get what we need. People want to just live any kind of way all week long and then have that special man or woman of God pray over them. Listen, you don't, you don't need somebody to pray over you if you're not praying for yourself. You, you don't need somebody to, to believe for you if you're not believing for yourself. But we're going to look today at these people that needed something from God, and they didn't shut up till they got it. And we're going to learn some things. In verse 29 of our text, Matthew chapter 20, verse 29, let's look at this again. As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Now, every time we see a large crowd following Jesus, more than not, they're looking to get something. They're, they're, they're looking for the miraculous. They're looking for a show. They're not looking to follow him. They're not looking to surrender to him. They're not looking to let him have his way in their life. And there are people who come to church in, in that same capacity. Some people come because they're following Jesus. Some people come because they truly want to be the man, the woman, the young person that God wants them to be because they know that Jesus saved them when he didn't have to. And, and, and he loves them in spite of them. And if you haven't come to the place where you've understood that yet, keep living and keep following God. That's, a, that's the greatest realization, one of the greatest realizations you'll ever get is that God keeps loving you even though you don't deserve it. Uh, that's a different message for a different time. Let, let me keep moving. The, the crowd followed behind. They weren't following Jesus. They were following the crowd. They were following the act. They were following what was happening. But it didn't indicate that their hearts were bent toward the Lord. Verse 30 says, two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, here is one of those few exclamation points that we see in the Bible. And I'm always going to tell you to pay attention to the punctuation when you read. It'll help your understanding. And here we see this exclamation point, and this is showing, this is showing volume. This is showing urgency. This is showing, I don't care who hears me. They began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, one of the things we talk about a lot here, at, uh, because we're a Bible teaching church, is that the Scripture says we have these stories for our examples so that we could learn from them. And if you want what others have, you got to do what they did to get it. Now, these two men, they got from God what they wanted. So the title of the message, what do you want God to do for you? Well, they wanted God to do something for them, and they got it. The reality is most people in this room that could even give me an answer to the question, what do you want God to do for you, have not gotten that done yet. Amen? Or you wouldn't still want it. But this isn't the first day in life they spent blind. We have no reason to believe this. This was their condition. They, they were living in this condition, and every one of us are alive in the condition we have right now, and that condition did not start when you walked into this room. That condition did not start when you woke up this morning. If you're going through 
what you're going through, and you need to figure out how to get past what is hindering you. So they hear that Jesus is coming, and they begin shouting, Have mercy on us. Now, I've told you guys this before, and I want you to understand it really good. If you want to get something specific, you need to ask the person who has it. Are you following me? You need to ask. I can only give you what I possess. I can't give you $3 trillion for the, the, the overpriced infrastructure plan that's being bantered about in Congress right now, which is really a $5 trillion plus. I, can't, I just can't give you, oh, I can't give you $1 trillion. I wish I could. I wouldn't give it to you, but I wish I could. Some of y'all not even paying attention. I, I could give you $20. If you want to find out, see me anytime you want to find I can give you $20 because I have $20. I can't give you a trillion dollars because I don't have a trillion dollars. It, it's an example I've used many times in the past. You can go to the McDonald's drive-thru on 103rd Street and get some food because they have food. But you can't get a Whopper. Why can't you get a Whopper from McDonald's? They don't have it. Same reason you can't get McNuggets from Burger King. You've got to go to the person who has what you want. And because, get this in your mind, whether it's me, McDonald's, Burger King, you can only give to people what you have. And most of us want more for the people we love than what we can do for them. And that's why we need to learn today how to call on the name of the Lord. That's, we need to do what they did so we can have what they have. If you want something, go to the person who has it. Now, I'm going to jump ahead real quick and, and get you to understand this. God has everything. God has everything. God created everything. They, they, wrote, they write songs uh, about God being everything. I've heard people say, oh, my, 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 my grandbaby is my heart. She's my everything. Well, I'm not sure she's your everything, but I hope you can understand in that meaning how everything God can be for you if you will let him. But they begin screaming out to Jesus to have mercy on them. Now here comes the, here comes the crowd doing what the crowd does in verse 31. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. I want to tell you something, if you are a Christian, or even if you're not a Christian, but you are searching for God, I want to let you know, the more you try to get close to God, the more the people around you will say, just calm down, it don't take all that. You don't have to, you don't have to do all that. You don't have to go to church all the time. You don't have to read your Bible all the time. You don't have to pray all the time. You don't have to serve God all the time. Let me tell you something, there's no one on this planet other than Jesus, who did everything for God all the time. We could all do more, amen? But the, the, the crowd yells at them, hush that noise. And, and this is just what the crowd does. But we have these stories for example, so we can learn from them. Look at what the blind men did. They only shouted louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. I want to tell you, when people start criticizing how much you love God, shout louder. When people start saying you're too fanatical for Christ, take it to the next level. When, when people look at you, listen, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If people don't think you're overboard, you're underboard. Yeah. 
If people don't think you're too much for God, you're not enough for God. Because we all need things from God, and we shouldn't let people dumb us down. This is, this is my concern. Every time we have someone get saved that truly gets born again, they are on fire for God. That's a church expression that some of y'all lived out. You, you might have seen someone else get true salvation, and they get excited for the Lord. They get fired up for God, but what happens? Life happens to them. Not only life, here's the bad news. Church folk happen to them. The crowd happens to them. And, and church people don't want to see that new convert excited for the Lord because it makes them look bad. They don't want to see that new convert filled with God's spirit because that makes them look bad. And if you do it for too long, they're going to start making stuff up. When, when I first got saved at the Hillcrest Baptist Church in 1981, um, we had a big thing. Um, and, and, and I know Dina remembers. I know Connie remembers. It was almost every month some young man was coming forward to surrender their life to full-time Christian service. Do, do y'all, know, y'all know what that means? He wants to be a preacher. Now, some of them followed through with that. I was one of those guys. And, and some of them didn't. But the reality is most of those men that walked the aisle to surrender to full-time Christian ministry were pushed in by other church members. Case in point, our pastor's son, Terry. I remember Terry Moore, our pastor's son. He walked that aisle one day, and Terry was a successful businessman, had a great family, loved the Lord in an extreme way, and people did to him what they did to every fired-up young man in our church. Oh, God must be calling you to preach. Listen, man or woman, young person, just because you're super fired up, just because you love God more than anything, that doesn't necessarily mean God is calling you to preach. God wants fired up school teachers. God wants fired up hairdressers. God wants fired up salespeople. God wants fired up stay-at-home parents. God wants all his children to be excited. But Terry came. He walked out, surrendered. He, you know, want to make daddy proud of him and uh, the church proud. And he was already a deacon in our church. He went off to Bible college one semester, came back, took the microphone, and, and, and told everybody, I got caught up in the emotion. I love God more than anything, and I let people convince me that I was supposed to go into preaching when the reality is God wants me to serve him in my business. And, and, but the, the crowd, here, here's evidence back then, here's evidence of it now, the crowd doesn't want you more excited for God than they are. So if you get too fired up, they're going to shut you up. I see it on Wednesday night. Some of y'all don't even come to midweek Bible study on Wednesday night, which is by far my favorite service of the week. We get to slow it down, take the word uh, in small bite-sized pieces to digest it. But before we do that, every Wednesday night we have a time for prayer requests and for praise reports. And some people give praise reports all the time. And I don't look at them when they're giving it. I look at other people. How are you receiving the praise report of somebody who gives a praise report every week? Because I'm going to tell you what what hurting people do when somebody else is praising God, what negative people do when somebody else is praising God, what needy people do, they have that look on their face like, oh, Lord, here she go again. Oh, tell us about your new raise this week. You got one last month. 
tell us how something great happened for you. And they're bitter because it's not happening for them, even though I've told everybody the more you brag on God, the more he'll give you to brag on him about. But people get bitter. They don't want you to get your blessing. They just want you to sit down and shut up. I want to tell you something. The title of the message, what do you want God to do for you? You better figure it out, and you better start crying out consistently. And don't shut up. Don't back up. Don't give up. Keep pressing your way toward God. That's what these men did. And in verse 32, the Bible says, when Jesus heard them, comma, cause for pause. Always pay attention to the punctuation. When Jesus heard them. Now, here is, is, a, is a unique phrase because do you really think that Jesus finally heard them? Or do you think he knew what they were going to say before they said it? Okay? He, he's the God that knows everything. He, he, he can see and hear everything. But he says, when Jesus heard them. Now, everybody might not get this, but there, there's some expressions in, in, the, in the country and in the ghetto and I guess in the city if you live there uh, that, that will help your perfection broaden. And here, here's one of them. You hear me, but you ain't hearing me. You hear me, but you ain't hearing me. And Jesus already knew what they were saying, but there comes a point, and I hope you live to this point one day, when you have been hearing God, but you finally hear him. When you have been talking to God, but he finally hears you. There is hearing just as you hear noise coming out of my mouth right now. But you may or may not be hearing me on the inside of what God is trying to say to you. And Jesus heard them in a different way. Jesus heard them in a special way, and it caused him to stop and call out to two human beings, what do you want me to do for you? Now, if whoever your favorite person is, if, if your favorite entertainer, celebrity, preacher, politician was walking by and you were one of the people out there in the parade, I remember uh, a few years back, uh, President Obama came to a birthday party in Ortega. Did anybody know about that? I went down there to see. I'm like, I'm going to go see the president. And, of course, they had the roads blocked off and everything. I pulled over, and I stopped close as I could to where it was blocked off. And people were lining the streets trying just, just to get a shout-out. And, of course, we never saw him. Cars drove by, and everybody told, probably told themselves, I bet he was in one of those cars. Uh, maybe he showed up, maybe he didn't. But if you were standing in line trying to see whoever, and everybody's screaming, everybody's screaming the name of the fa fa famous person, if you were in that line and they stopped and they looked at you and said, what you want me to do for you? That would be shocking, amen? This, this was huge in the life, and he, he stopped what he was doing. I want to tell you something. The Scripture says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Bible tells us in the book of Jeremiah that if you search for God with your whole heart, you will find him. That's why some people get... Uh, God on their side, and other people just ask for help sometimes and never get it. These men were calling out with everything they had 
They believed that Jesus possessed what they needed and they weren't going to shut up, back up, or quit until they got his attention. I wish we had five people like that in this room. I wish our nation had a couple hundred people like that in the entire nation because the same Jesus who heard them and stopped and talked to them will hear you and stop and talk to you. And if you give him the right answer, he'll give you the right solution. In verse 33, the Bible says, Lord, they said, we want to see. Now, here's the reality. Jesus knew they were blind. Jesus knew what they wanted, but he still wanted them to open their mouth and declare their need. I've had so many people tell me, well, Pastor Scott, if you believe that God gives people the gift of healing, why don't they just show up at a hospital and heal all the sick people? Because that's not God's way. Jesus didn't just live at the hospital and heal all sick people. The people Jesus healed came to Jesus or he passed them as he was going and they cried out to him and they made their request. And you need to learn how to make your request to God. Some of you have children. You want to see closer to God. Are you making that request or have you stopped? Are, are, you, are, are you softly doing it or are you doing it with an exclamation point? Are you determined that you're going to keep on placing your request before God or are you going to be shut down by your own lack of faith? Are you going to be shut down by other people telling you that don't work? You've been trying that for how long? Listen, I'm sure this wasn't the first time they asked someone to help them with their dilemma. Jesus knew what their problem was. He didn't need them to say, we want to see, but this is how he works. And I want to tell you something. You need to let your request be made known unto God. That's what the Bible says. So if, if we started with Elder Jimmy and we worked all our way around the room and, and God just said, what do you want me to do for you? Some of y'all be just, bit, you know what I need. You ain't gave it to me in how long? Some of y'all would be so faithless, you'd be like, ask somebody else. I'm not playing your game. Because everybody in this room doesn't believe that God is who God is. And that God has what God has. I told you, if you want something, you got to go to somebody who has it to get it. And we're going to see in a little bit who God is and everything that he has. In verse 34, the Bible says, Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly, they could see. Then they followed him. Ooh, now, here, here I'm, I'm, I'm not going to stay on this because I'm going somewhere. But that last sentence, then they followed him. They believed in him already. They knew he was able already. They knew they were going to the right source to get what they needed. And listen, when God does something for you, your right response better be to follow him. And I, I, I'm, I'm here in a room full of people, and here's the reality. If I ask you, has God ever done anything for you, there's somebody that would have the nerve to say no. Your understanding is, it has not yet been enlightened. God, God gave you the ability to breathe. God, how, how is it that you, you, you think that your heart continues to beat even though you don't tell it to beat? How is it that you think that your body continues to breathe even while you're asleep and you don't tell it to breathe? How is it that you, you, you think that our planet 
is, is just as far away from the sun as it is. Do you know if it's any closer, we'd all burn up to death. If any further away, we'd all freeze to death. These things have not happened magically. These things are all ordained by God. And God has done great things for everyone. He, he's given you a life. And if you hate your life, you need to do something better with it. What do you want God to do for you? You got to go to the person that has it because people can only give you what they have. If your car is acting up, you need to take it to a mechanic. You don't need to take your car to a watch repair shop. Well, he fixes things. Uh, he don't fix cars. He fixes watches. So you need to go to the right source. And these two men went to the right source, and they got what they needed. Now, I wish there was a magic wand that I could wave over you today, and everybody automatically got everything that they needed. But that's not how it works. You got to cry out to God for yourself. You got to seek him for yourself. You got to let your request be made known unto God. God is consistent, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just like he answered these men, he did something great for them, and then they followed him. That same thing can happen to you. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians 3.20. Under the thought that I can only give you what I have. You can only give me what you have. Listen to Ephesians 3.20. Talk about God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I want you to believe in a bigger God than the God that allows you to worry and to fret. Because if you understood how great your God was, some of that worry would wash off you. Some of that fret would wash off you. I want you to begin to have a higher view of God, a biblical view of God, the God who is able to do exceeding more than we ask or think. If God can do more than you ever even ask or think, you ought to at least do what? Ask and think. What are you asking God? To, some of you just get nothing because you're asking for nothing. Uh, in, in James 1.17, the scripture tells us every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God, get this, has stuff. God has good stuff. God has things, and the Bible tells us that it's his pleasure to give you everything. God wants to give you more. It's like every good parent. I've told you this before. Every good parent wants to do good things for their children. And the reality is most kids won't stay straight long enough for the parent to do something good for them. Now, if, if you don't have kids like that, thank God for it. Uh, you probably were an, a child like that in your own life. But the parent wants to bless the child, but the child's got to get blessable. If you don't hear anything else, hear this today. God wants to bless you. God has good gifts to give you, but you got to get blessable. Not only that, you got to ask. James 4, 2 says you have not because you ask not. Oh, don't, don't, don't miss out on your blessing because you didn't ask for it. Don't, don't miss Every time, I promise you this, I get better deals at hotels than you do. I just believe that automatically. Uh, and one of the biggest reasons why is because I ask. 
I walk in there with no shame in my game at all. I walk in there and I, and I ask them, do you have AAA? Uh, they say, do you have a AAA account? Well, sure, which I do, but I, you know, either way. Uh, do you have AARP rate? Yeah. I said, well, let, and I always tell them the same thing. Well, let me ask you this. Do you have a traveling old man on the road with his child, tired and back hurting, just needs a break, and you ought to do good to somebody today, right? And they do just what you do. They laugh, and they, and they almost always say, let me see what I can do for you. And, hey, I have no shame when it comes to asking. I want the best piece of cake they got at the restaurant, and I'm going to ask for it. I want the freshest biscuits that they've got in the kitchen. Don't bring me no cold, hard biscuit. I'm going to ask up front. Bring me some warm, soft, fluffy biscuit. Bring, and do you ask for what you want? Well, you just ask too much. I get a lot of it, too. I'm not going to miss out. I'm not going to come up short because I didn't ask. How do you know? And, and I, I let people know. I'll tell, if they, don't, if they don't give me the old man tired traveling with a child discount, I'll let them know. I bet there's somebody in your family, mother, father, aunt, uncle, grandmama, there's probably somebody in your family that served the Lord. You probably, you probably got a deacon, a deaconess in your family somewhere. You know the Bible says you ought to do good to all men, especially to those of the household of faith. You ought to give me a discount for grandmama's sake. You think I'm lying? I work that, I work that every time I walk in to somewhere that I'm looking for a discount. I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to lose out on James 4.2. Some of y'all just need to start applying James 4.2 to your life. Because some of you don't have enough, and if you're not asking for it, then you're falling short. We need to ask God for what we need because he's the one that has everything that we need and he is able. So here's what I want to do today. I want to go over a list that I've shared in Bible study before. I don't know that I've ever shared this list on a Sunday morning, but I want you to understand what God has available to you. I want you to see a bigger God than you've been looking at because for most people, God is just big man upstairs. He's just, you know, somebody way off in the distance that other people talk to. I want you to know who God is and what he has and what he is able to do for you. So I'm going to go over a list, 16 names. If you're taking notes, write these names down. If you're not, this message will be online. All messages are online for free, and you can go back and reference that at any time. I want to give you 16 names for God out of the Old Testament. Now, the Bible tells us that a good name is better to be chosen than much riches. And when, in, in biblical times, people would name their children, and some still even do today. I didn't pick uh, the names for my children, Jacob and Seth, out of an almanac. Got those out of the Bible. And the Bible talks about names and living up to your name and a name identifying you as who you are, and these different names that we have in the scripture for who God is give us a greater reference to all that he is. Because you need to know more about God than just that he's God. Who is he? How does he manifest? What, what, is, what is he willing and able to do? So let's go over these real quick. Elohim. Elohim is the first name given for God in the Bible. In Genesis 1.1, the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens 
and the earth. Now, Elohim means the strong and mighty God. It's It's a reference to God's power and to God's might. God is strong. Do you believe he's stronger than your bills? Do you believe he's stronger than your problems? Do you believe that he is able? If he created the heavens, the earth, and everything that's in him, you got to understand he's bigger than we give him credit for. God is powerful. Say powerful. Not only Elohim, but Adonai, uh, which means Lord. It's a reference to the lordship of God. In Malachi 1.6, The Bible says, a son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If I then be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts. Now, in English, we have that word Lord. Uh, In the Hebrew translation for that word Lord, it's Adonai, the Lord of hosts. So Adonai is a reference to the Lordship of God. A lot of people can't get what they want from God because they don't view him as the Lord. Now, the Lord, simple, simple definition for the Lord, someone who's in charge, the boss, the master, someone who possesses another. If you understand that the scripture says that we're not our own because we've been bought with a price, the one who bought us is Adonai, God who is the Lord. Next name I want you to think about. And we're looking at the character of God and what God is able to do because he has what we need. El Elyon, which means the most high God. In Bible times and even in countries around the world today, do you know in India they have over 10,000 named gods in India? You say, well, that, how do they have that many? Have you checked how many people there are in India? It's a lot of people in India. Uh, some of y'all need to broaden your horizons and understand America's only this much of the world. It's a big world out there, not in America, but they have over 10,000 named gods. In Bible days, uh, most people were polytheistic, which means they believed in many gods, and that's why one of the names God gave for himself is El Elyon. He's the most high God, and I want you to understand God is bigger than everything. In Genesis 14, the Bible says, and blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. God is revealing himself to Abraham And where it says, blessed be the most high God, if you read that in the original translation, that most high God is the name El Elyon there for God. And I want you to see God. We've already seen God as the powerful and the mighty God. We've seen God as the Lord. And here we've seen God as the most high God. Don't fade on me. We're going somewhere. Fourth name for God I want to give you. And, and, and this is funny because if you say it too fast, you might have met one of these before. Elroy. Elroy uh, is how the Hebrews say it. But he is the strong one who sees. And if you learn who God is, you need to let it adjust your behavior. Because I told y'all before, um, I don't celebrate Christmas the way most people do. I don't do decorations and all that other stuff. I'm not against it. I love to see beautifully decorated houses. Some of y'all go all out, and that's fantastic. It's just not my tradition. I don't have a problem with Santa Claus. Uh, I, it blows me back. Preachers preach every year. Well, you know, if you rearrange the letters in the name uh, Santa, it spells Satan. 
I wonder what I could come up with if I rearranged the letters in your name. I don't have a problem with Santa per se other than the fact that they gave him a song he can't live up to. And they stole it from God. Because God is the only one who sees you when you're sleeping, who knows when you're awake, who knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for good. Listen, we used to have a preacher that would ask us. It, it, it was Herman Moore, pastor of West Normandy Baptist Church. He used to ask young people. He asked us this at camp one year. Would you act like that if God was watching? I wasn't even saved. I could just chew gum and walk at the same time. I mean, I just had some basic common sense. Would I do that if God, I thought he was watching all the time. He is watching all the time because he is the strong one who sees. In Genesis 16, 13, the Bible says, And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? We see the word Lord. The Hebrew word there is Elroy, which means the strong one or the God who sees. I want you to get it in your head today. God sees you. He knows your need. Jesus saw those two blind men that screamed out at him. He wasn't just stumbling by and not paying attention. He, he knew who was there in that crowd. He, he knew what they needed. He saw it, but it wasn't until they opened their mouth and asked him to do something for them. He sees you. Some of you have been believing the lie of the enemy, the lie of your own stinking thinking that God doesn't see you. More, more, more commonly, people say he doesn't care about me. He doesn't, he doesn't care about my situation. He sees your situation. He just wants you to call out to him. you got to do what others did so you can have what they have. And I promise you this, the God of the Bible sees everything. Fifth name for God in the Old Testament is El Shaddai. Now, how many, how, how many of y'all, who can answer this question? And, and it's just my opinion, so you, you, you got to try to think into my head, which is, which is wild for a minute. How did the name El Shaddai become so well-known in Christian circles? Amy Grant. Amy Grant in the 80s came out, El Shaddai, El Shaddai. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and she came out there trying to throw some Hebrew at folk. Um, and so this became one of the popular names in Christian culture uh, in the 80s and beyond. But what El Shaddai means is the God of the mountains or the God Almighty. Because the people that were walking around in Genesis 17 when God revealed this as one of his names, because God is bigger than one, one name cannot sum him up, but they believed in that culture that the God of the mountains was bigger than the God of the valley. They believed that the God of the mountains was bigger than the moon God and the star God. They believed that the mountain God was the, the strong God. And so God revealed himself to them as the God of the mountains or the mightiest God. In Genesis 17:1, the Bible says, When Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Where we read almighty God in the Hebrew version, and if, if you were reading out of the original text, it, God said, I am El Shaddai. I wonder if the God that you say you believe in is your El Shaddai. 
Is he bigger than your problems? Is he mightier than your difficulty? Can he do everything? This is how God has revealed himself to man. Sixth word, name, El Olam, which means the everlasting God. Isaiah 40, 28 says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. I, I, some of y'all have heard me say before, this was one of the most comforting verses to me. In my first year of salvation, I kept asking God for a lot of the same stuff, and it, whether it was just in my mind or something the enemy tried to put on me or so, something I heard, I, I, I found myself thinking, God must be tired of me asking for the same stuff, repenting again and again. God must be tired of me. Then one day I read this verse, and it said, that the creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary. And as I thought about that, a realization came over me that I want to come over you. If you are God's child, he can't be tired. He never gets tired, so he can't be tired of you. God, God never gets weary, so he can't be weary of you. The God of the Bible is the everlasting God. Now, that's good news for saved people and Lost people alike. Here's, here's the good news for saved people. He, he's never going to change. He's the everlasting God. You don't have to worry about him doing you wrong because he's always done you right. He's not going to change on you like people have changed on you. And, and for people who are trying to wait out God, I've heard people say, Oh, Pastor Scott, pray for my son. He's running from the Lord. Well, you're going to get tired and fall out. You can only run for so long, but God is everlasting. God, listen, God's not going away. People have, have talked about the demise of God since the beginning. Listen, we, we understand right now we're in perilous times as, as a world. We understand that our nation is in, in the worst place it's ever been. Some of y'all were so mad at, at the last president. Now, now look what we got going on now. We got gas, 307. Uh, for the lowest level of gas, gas higher than it's been in years. We got groceries higher than they've been in years. We're leaving, uh, stranding Americans in foreign country and letting folk, servicemen and women die. We, we are in bad times. And people have been predicting the postmodern church and the God is dead movement. Listen, God is never going to stop being God. It doesn't matter how bad things get on this earth. God is the everlasting God. You can't run him out. You can't run away from him. He's the everlasting God. Now I want to get into this name Jehovah. This name Jehovah, and we're going to see nine compound words for this name Jehovah as we get through the end of this list. But Jehovah, sometimes spelled Yahweh, is a reference to the divinity of God or God's divine salvation. It also means the self-existent one. Here's the bottom line. If you ever talk to somebody, atheists have, have some pretty decent questions if they're smart. Because if you try to tell them the Big Bang, here, here's the greatest explanation of what makes the Big Bang theory stupid. Who caused the Big Bang? They just banged off by itself? Now, now, and that really makes no sense. There was an explosion in the universe, and out of that chaos came order. 
That's not how it works. That's like you telling me you're going to take your watch, put it inside your pillowcase, beat it a hundred times with a hammer, shake it all up, and throw it out on the bed, and it's going to be a better watch. No, explosions make things worse, not better. And who caused the explosion? But if they're a smart atheist, they, they can one-up you with who caused God. Do you realize nowhere in the Bible does God defend his own existence? God doesn't defend his existence. Believe in him or don't. Take it or leave it. God's not desperate for followers. God is the self-existent one. Where did he come from? Himself. When did he start? Always. These are not things that you can rationalize. These are not things you can wrap your mind around logically. And that's why every Christian needs to hear what I've been telling you all for years. When you can't figure it out, what? you got to faith it out. you got to believe some things by faith because the Bible says some of God's ways are past finding out. He's the self-existent one. Everybody in this room came from somebody. Well, everybody, unless you're a test tube baby, you can, and even still, you're still your mama's baby. We, we all had a mother. We all had a father. God had neither mother nor father. He just always has existed. Now, this word that we pronounce Jehovah uh, is the same word that is pronounced Yahweh. But uh, in, in Genesis 2-4, the Bible says, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord made the earth and the heavens. Now, if you were to read in the Hebrew Bible, Genesis 2 and verse 4, that word Lord, you would see uh, the tetragrammaton. Somebody tell us what the tetragrammaton is. All right, well, then you're going to learn something today if you're paying attention. The tetragrammaton, is the, it means four letters. And it's the four-letter name God gave to himself. This is the official title of God. We use the word Jehovah or Yahweh, but it was originally just J-H-V-H. All consonants, no vowels. And it was, learned, it was taught in the early uh, days as the unpronounceable name of God. They didn't want to say it because they might say it wrong. It's like uh, if, if, you, if you don't have, uh, know how somebody has names, I can't even think of a name right now off the top of my head, but some names have multiple, multiple pronunciations. Okay, well, like, I, let me ask you this. How do you uh, pronounce the capital of Kentucky? Louisville or Louisville? You should pronounce it Frankfurt, because that's the capital of Kentucky. But, <laughs> gotcha. Didn't see that coming, did you? You didn't know what Tetragrammaton was or the capital of Kentucky. But if you don't, if you're looking at somebody's name, now, now y'all got to know. Uh, some folk, I mean, it just self-described as full flavor. If you named your child LaShondonesia, tell you two things about that. Number one, she's had to repronounce that for people all her life. And number two, she's darker than me. LaShondronesia, <laughs> uh, you, 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 don't, you don't know how, how, how always to pronounce certain names, so people just stray away from that. Why? Because you don't want to call somebody by the wrong pronunciation of their name. So the tetragrammaton, the four letters that God said was his name, 
went unpronounced for many years. It actually wasn't even until the 16th century where people began to say Jehovah or Yahweh. But this is the self-existent God. And, and right now I'm going to give you the rest of the names God used in the Old Testament to reveal himself by. And they're all derivative of Jehovah. They're all com- Jehovah plus another word to show you the immenseness of God. Eighth name, first compound name, Jehovah Makedeshim, which means the Lord my sanctifier. In, uh, in Exodus 31, 13, the Bible says, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. God is the only person who can sanctify you. We've studied sanctification. It's the process of getting clean enough for God to use you. You can't clean yourself up. There's not enough water in every hole. There's not enough water in a baptismal pool or every hole of water between here and California. There's not enough bleach in that water to wash away your sins. Nothing can clean you up except Jehovah Makedeshim. God is the one. If you've got something going on right now, an addiction that you can't break, an emotion that you can't shake, you need to call out to the Lord who sanctifies you. What did I tell you? You got to go to the person who has what you need. All of us need sanctification. The preacher can't sanctify you. Mom and daddy can't sanctify you. Only God can sanctify you because he is the Lord who sanctifies. Next one, number nine, Jehovah-Rohi. This is, oh man, there's so much preaching to be done on this. Uh, The Lord, my shepherd. In Psalm 23, one, the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. In, in the Hebrew, if you read that in the Hebrew, it would say, Jehovah-Rohi is my shepherd. Well, it would say something else for is my shepherd, but you get the point. God is the shepherd of his people. Now, if you study shepherd and sheep, uh, experts tell us that sheep are dumb animals. A lot of Christians don't like that. Who are you calling dumb? All of us. You want to compare your knowledge to God's? He's smart. We're dumb. If you can't measure that level of pride uh, or, or humility, then you probably don't know him. But a shepherd, listen, I'm not going to stay here, even though I love this name for God as our shepherd. The shepherd does everything for the sheep. He gives them all that they need. He, he, he takes them where they need to go to find food. He, he chases off the enemies for them. He protects them. He, he nurses their wounds when they're sick. He carries them when they can't walk. The shepherd does everything for the sheep, and you need to begin to see God as the Lord, your shepherd. Number 10, oh, it's another one of my favorites, Jehovah Shammah. And it literally means the Lord who is present. In Ezekiel 48, 35, it, it was round about 18,000 measures, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. Okay, so if I tell you God is there, and God is there, and God is there, and God is over there, it shouldn't take you long to figure out he's everywhere. God, the, 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 the God who is present. The ancients would say of Jehovah Shema that he is the God who is in your face. And, and this, this is what the, the psalm writer was talking about. If I go up to the highest mountain, God is there. If I go to the bottom of the ocean, 
God, why? he's always right there. No matter where, where you turn, where you, God is there. And you need to get the awareness of this. this ought to, you ought to let this change the way you live. And you ought to let this change the way you rejoice in God. He is there. Well, I don't feel him. Well, fix your feeling. Let your faith overcome your emotions. God is the ever-present God. He is always right there. Number 11, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. In Exodus 15, 26, the Bible says, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do what is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am Jehovah Rohi. Now, a lot of people take just parts of the Bible and try to apply it to themselves. Uh, so I, I see people who, like Tebow, when Tebow was playing football, he, he had a little Philippians 4.13 uh, on his eye black, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, that was Paul saying that. That don't apply to everybody. You can't do all things through Christ who gives you strength. If you ain't doing what he told you to do, he ain't going to give you the strength to do everything. Paul knew he could do everything. Uh, Paul, Paul told the church of Philippi, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. We got people walking around saying, well, you know, I'm struggling financially, but I know the Lord will supply all my need. That ain't your promise. That was a promise made to the Philippian church because they gave exceeding above every other church on the planet. Paul said, you gave to me when no one else would. And because of your generosity, God's going to supply. He made that promise specifically to a group of people. We, I see the same thing people mess around with this verse. And none of these diseases shall come nigh unto me. Oh, well, let's look at it. Uh, do you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord? Do you do what is right in his sight? Do you give ear to his commandments? Do you keep all of his statutes? <sighs> Maybe some of these diseases shall come nigh unto thee. Because many of God's promises are conditional. And God said, I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I brought on the Egyptians, if you do. If you will. I told you, when you read the Bible, look for the words if and the word then. If you do this, then that will happen. That's a setup for a conditional promise. And if you do the if, God always does the then. Now, uh, I need God to be my healer. I've been in pain for so long, I can't remember not being in pain. But here's the reality. I've got to diligently hearken to the voice of God. I got to do what's right. You believe you got to work for God? To, no, I don't have to work for God to bless me, but I do have to meet the requirement of the conditional promises of God to step into the promise. And God, as our Father, He wants to heal us, but how many of y'all know sometimes you got to let the boy fall in the ditch? Sometimes you got to take the training wheels off and just let them fall over, scrape their, their little hands and their little face up so they can learn something. So, some of y'all, some of y'all's children are grown and they haven't learned how to stand on their own yet. You know why? Because every time they fell down, you went and kissed that boo-boo. Let mama kiss that boo-boo. Man, you should have had a mama like mine. I question all nurses. I, I just do. Some of y'all nurses, I hope you love people, because my mom, mm. 
Now, she loves people as a Christian, but she don't, she don't have a whole lot of compassion over her children and their wounds. Of course, she was lost then, too. But Dean and I could, could be out playing in something, and I mean, just come in gushing blood. Mom, Mom, I'm hurt. Let me see that, boy. Now, take, understand this. At this time in my mom's life, she was the head nurse over the medical intensive care unit, the surgical intensive care unit, and the emergency room at Methodist Hospital, downtown Jacksonville on 8th Street. It used to be across the street from University Hospital, which is now Shands. And she would look at us, oh, you ain't hurt. We, we, we had a man's heart hanging out of his chest when I went in. And she would just go on and on. Go on outside and bother me with that. I'm hurt. Okay. <laughs> Are all nurses that way, Kyronda? See, yeah, y'all just don't get faded by a little scratch. So, so, some of y'all babying y'all's children so much that they're never going to learn how to walk. Why haven't I gotten all of my healing that I desperately need from God right now? My head's hurting so bad right now I can hardly think. Why, why hasn't God healed my... Because God's working something. God knows what he's doing. I, I, I got more diligently hearkening to his voice to do. I, I, I got to do more of what's right in his sight. I got to give more ear to his commandments. Listen, he is the Lord who heals us. He's also sometimes the Lord who lets us lay there. I'm preaching better than y'all staring at me. Let me keep moving. We can get out of here. Number 12. Oh, this, this is a hard to pronounce one, but one we need to know. Jehovah Sidkenu. And it means the Lord, our righteousness. In Jeremiah 23, 6, the Bible says, In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is the name whereby he shall be called, the Lord, our righteousness. Now, obviously, that phrase, we read it in English, the Lord, our righteousness. In Hebrew, it says Jehovah Sidkenu. That's who they called on God for their righteousness. Now, if you're saved, you understand this truth, whether you know where to find it in the Bible or not. The scripture tells us that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus took our sin and gave us his righteousness. If you're not living right the way you should, you need to call on Jehovah Sidkenu to Give you more of a desire to live right. God wants to clean you up. God wants to help you live right. This isn't just what he desires. This is who he is. Uh, number 13, Jehovah Jireh. Now, a song popularized that. Uh, that. That's the only name people get out of that whole song. Jehovah Jireh, my what? My provider. In Genesis 22, the Bible says Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. You got needs? You need to understand who God is. God is Jehovah-Jireh. What's he going to do? Provide when you get to where you need to be. When you get under the spout where the glory comes out, uh, I, I, I remember when every Wednesday night, Rick was having that same prayer request. Pray, pray. How long did you look for that job, man? Four months. And, and this is a man with a, with a, divine skill, with a defined skill set. This is a capable man who, who's always had a job. This isn't just somebody who, who had a trouble getting a job. He had a great resume. He had people calling him all the time. And it, and it just wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. But here's what him and his wife knew. God was going to provide. 
And you need to get to the place in your life where you understand God is your provider. Now, got that job? We're, we're believing God for a different job now. God will provide a new job. But whatever your need is, do you see God as the great and mighty God who alone can provide for you? If you don't recognize God as Jehovah Jireh, you're going to have some unmet needs. I told you, you got to call on the person who has what you need. Jehovah Jireh can provide for you. Y'all already on number 14. They're rushing me. <laughs> Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord, our banner. In Exodus 17, 15, the Bible says, And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. The, the, the Lord, our banner, is the one who goes out before us. It's the one who leads us into victory. You're facing hardship. You're facing a battle. You're getting around somebody, that person at work that drives you crazy, that spouse laying next to you at night that you just tired, they've just been getting on your nerves because they're just always breathing. You just can't deal with it anymore. <laughs> That's funny right there. You got to ask God to be your niece. You got to ask Jehovah Nisi to go before you. Take this battle, God. Walk before me in the midst of this. Now, you don't want me to tell him how you want to stab him in the neck right now. Don't be laughing at your brother. Jehovah, listen, God wants to go before you into battle. Sad reality is most people go alone. Most people don't have God out front. Do you have God out front? You, got, you better start. You know you, you got some people in your life you wish God to just give you. Oh, there he comes. Jesus, don't let him. Oh, too late. Too late. You better call on Jehovah Nisi. He's going to be that banner that goes before you, lifting up a standard between you and the enemy. 15, Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord our peace. I want everybody in this room that has any type of emotional issue, nervousness, Social anxiety. Listen, these are huge in the world today. Mental issues. It, it's crazy. If, if, I, if I told you that I, I well, I got a tumor in, in, in the base of my brain right now. Um, I got 13 herniated discs from my neck to my tailbone right now. If I told you I had uh, brain cancer. Most people would feel compassion towards somebody they just found out had brain cancer. But if I told you I have mental illness, people in America make a joke out of that, a laughing matter out of that. We, we've got people so ashamed of, of dealing with depression, dealing with mental health issues. we got people so ashamed de dealing with real problems that they won't even talk about it, I, I want to tell you something. If you've got anything in your mind that has you unsettled, not at rest, you need to understand that God is Jehovah Shalom. He is our peace. Uh, Judges 6, 24, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not. Thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord our peace peace now real quick why would God have to tell Gideon to fear not because he was scared and God wanted to reveal himself to Gideon where Gideon had a need 
God knew what Gideon's need was, and so he revealed himself as the God of our peace. And God wants to speak peace over your life, but you need to, you need to recognize what your need is, and you need to ask the one who has what you need for it. And God says he is Jehovah Shalom, the one who gives us peace. The last one, Jehovah Sabaoth, which means the Lord of hosts or the Lord of all of the army of heaven. Isaiah 6, 3 says, And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. God is the Lord of heaven's army. God is able to change everything that he wants to change. Remember what, what Jesus said, that he's able to dispatch thousands and thousands of angels to do anything he asked them to do. Now, I have a lot of people ask me about angels and the ministry of angels. I got a quick answer for all you angel people. Uh, you can keep calling on the angels, your guardian angel, your protector angel, uh, your, your, your door opening angel. My, my Bible says I can call directly on the Lord. Oh, man, I tell you what, if, if I needed somebody uh, to, to pick up a heavy boulder uh, off of me that was crushing my lungs, you know, I, I, I could ask Kyrana to help me. Wave at everybody, Kyrana. Hey, small things, right? Dynamite. She says she'd try her best. But I, better, but I better hope Deacon Dixon fully recovered off that COVID to come get there. Can you get it off me, Deacon? All right, and I have all them muscles for no reason. <laughs> you got to ask the right person for the right thing. Oh, man, God is the Lord of all of heaven's armies. He can speak over you, and good things happen to you. But you got to go to the right source to get what you need from God. I don't know what you want God to do for you. I'm, I'm going to close by telling you a couple of big things. The number one thing everybody needs God to do for them, we need God to save us. Some of you walked out, prayed prayers, never got real salvation. Some of you have called on God and He didn't save you, even though the Bible says, whosoever should call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, there's calling and then there's calling. There's crying out and then there's crying out. And the Bible says you'll find him when you search for him with your whole heart. If you're here and you're not saved, I want to tell you the Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Everybody believes in Jesus, but everybody doesn't believe that God raised him from the dead. If you truly do believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and you will call on him, he will save you. The Bible says unless you're born again, you can't enter into heaven. Everybody in this room needs to be born again. I don't care who you are, elder, deacon, church leader, volunteer. Everybody needs salvation. And if you haven't been saved, you need to call on God. Who alone can save you? If you're here and you are saved, maybe you're going through something. You ought to ask God to be your help. Sometimes it's a good thing to have somebody to pray with you. Just, just to encourage you in your own faith. God puts a blessing on unity. God says that it, the place of unity in Psalm 133 is the place where God commands the blessing. We, we're going to do something today. I, I, I know that uh, we, we don't have 
church as fast as other people do, and some people are always looking to get out quicker. We're going to take a moment to do something this morning we haven't done in a while. And I'm going to ask uh, the, the altar workers that I spoke to earlier this morning, I want you, I want you guys to come on and, and make yourself ready. I'm even going to tell them to put a mask on because I don't want to keep anybody away um, from, from coming down here. Uh, I, I want you to be able to protect your health, and if you're immune compromised, I, I don't want these altar workers breathing on you. Uh, and but here's what we're going to do: if you know God has something that you need, I want you to either pray in your seat, whether it's salvation, healing, deliverance, whether whether it's for somebody else. But it, but if you would just like the comfort of having another believer pray with you. Then, then you can do that here. Whatever your need is, whether it's salvation, whether it's healing, whether it's just having another believer, the, these, these men and women, they, they are Christians. They love the Lord. They talk to God on a regular basis. And, and if you believe in the power of prayer and the blessing of unity, we're going to take a moment. We're going to come and let, let you uh, receive prayer from one of these leaders in our church. And we are going to take the next few moments at your seat or down up front if you need salvation, you want somebody to pray with you, if you want somebody to agree with you for whatever it is you're believing God for, I want you to let God lead you to do whatever it is God's calling you to do. Pray with me. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are everything. You possess all good things, God. And I pray now, Father, that by your spirit, you would draw people to salvation. You would draw people to rededication. You would draw people closer Help us to believe in you, God. Help us to ask you for the things that we need. You told us that we have not because we ask not. God, this is our time of asking. And we thank you that you hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.